This is an AMI podcast. One time, when I was very little, I climbed a tree and ate these green sour apples. My stomach swelled and became hard like a drum. It hurt a lot. Mother said that if I just waited for the apples to ripen, I wouldn't have become sick. So now, whenever I really want something, I try to remember what she said about the apples. This is AMI Audiobook Review, and welcome to the show where we talk all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amudin, here with Nisreen Abdelmajid. And the quote that you heard this week is from, I'd say a classic, at least for high school students. It's The Kite Runner. Uh, well, it's from the book, The Kite Runner by Khalid Hosseini. And Niz, I know in context from different shows around AMI Audio a.k.a. now with Dave Brown, mm-hmm. that you've read slash watched The Kite Runner, the movie. Um, and I wanted to now say that I've never read The Kite Runner. I'm going through oh. it right now. Yes. I am reading it, listening to it right now from the Sila Library. And this is one of the quotes that I'm actually not at yet. So I'm very much at the beginning of the book, but it's one of these things that I never had to read in high school, but you just keep hearing about how everyone else has already read it. So I thought, well, let's just go through the archives and uh, start. Now, your impressions of the book and or the movie. Yeah, so I watched it 10 times with the family. That was a big uh, movie for us. Very Mm. deep. I cried every single time, but you're going to love it still. It's one of those honest books and something that really makes you think. And I just love those types of books. But for a fact, I was supposed to read it in high school. I read part of it, but then I ended up looking online to, (gasps) this is a bad example. Sparks notes it? Sparks notes it. And it worked. My teacher never suspected but I'm, I'm such a bad influence right now. But yeah, <laughs> I sparks. <laughs> Here I am putting my heart on my sleeve, telling you all that I haven't read the book. And then Nizreen comes out with her confession. Wow. I, I couldn't. It was, you know what? We, we had an assignment to do and there was just no time to read that full book. I don't know how the people did it. Maybe they read it while they were on the toilet. I don't know, but I could not finish it. And Mm. I just had no time. I was a busy person in high school, I guess. I was was busy hanging out with friends and stuff. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Busy not doing her homework, y'all. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, I I absolutely love the movie. So you're going to love the book. And I heard the book is 10 times better. I feel like a lot of the time, the majority of the time, books are always better. So yeah, that's my opinion. I'm excited for you though. I'm, you know what? Thank you. I'm going to add it to my list because I have a long list, as you guys know, of recommendations. People recommended me a bunch of different audiobooks. So this is, this is another one. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment I was waiting for since you confessed that you didn't read it. I was like, oh my God, please tell me she's going to at least try the audiobook soon. And all this while our friends from Sila are waiting in the wings for the rest of the show? Oh my goodness. I think they'll I'm have something to say this. about it. Yes. I'm ashamed. But you know what? You know what? Never too late. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's never, it's never too, too late. late. Mm-hmm. 
So let's, speaking of Sela, talk about the featured titles at the very top of the homepage. Uh, this is from selalibrary.ca, C-E-L-A library.ca. So right now on the featured titles, um, under that heading, we have The Madness of Crowds by Louise Penny. And this is a mysteries and crime story. Taste. My Life Through Food by Stanley Tucci. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. This is food writing, a little bit of a memoir. Uh, the Heart Principle by Helen Hone. And this is contemporary romance. Very nice. Maybe some of the stuff uh, leading up to holiday reading. Oh, that sounds cool. Nizreen, let's talk about what's trending, girl. What did you find? Yeah, so audiobooks.com released this week's hottest releases, as usual. We're going to start with that. So starting off with Wish You Were Here by Jody Pickled, Leviathan Falls by James Corey, Autopsy by Patricia Cornwell, City of the Dead by Mindy McGinnis, and ranking at number five is The Midnight Clock by Jeffrey Deaver. So at the moment, as you guys know, I'm currently reading or listening to the subtle art of not giving an f and i am absolutely loving it it's such a vibe for me i'm mm. just gonna ask you what is the best time for you to listen to audiobooks because for me i like to listen to it when i'm doing my night routine cleanse my face it's just a calming soothing time for me and right when i'm about to get ready for bed put it on for an hour or so and go with it. What do you think? Definitely. Yeah, it's for audiobook listening. And I, I guess the more you listen to audiobooks, the more you can kind of tell in what uh, ways you like to listen to what kinds of books. You know, I, I talk a lot about speeding up my books and people roll their eyes, whatever. But I, I think that it all comes with your habits or your lifestyle. So every morning I go on walks with my dog and uh, that's a lot of audiobook listening time for me because I take familiar routes for the most part. And so there's not a lot of distractions. I already feel like I'm on kind of an autopilot situation. So uh, that's mm -hmm. a fun time for me to listen to books that I'm really, really into. And it's a way to kick off my morning, right, with a bit of um, reading. And yeah. also at bedtime, but usually around bedtime, I like to listen to books that are already familiar to me, aka Harry Potter, because I can't take in as much new information when I'm trying to relax. Yeah. Um, yeah. So depending on the genre too, of course, but the more comfort feels of uh, relaxation come to me with familiar TV shows or familiar audiobooks. But it's cool though that you're figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm switching over really quickly because I like to listen to music when I'm in the car or something like that when I'm just vibing because for example in the car I cannot sink in I'm at the moment where I do end up repeating some sentences or something like that I'm like wait what did he say what happened <laughs> um yeah so I, I am processing but at night I feel like it is a good time I just it's very quiet it's kind of my me time for the whole day so right. I, I like to think. I like to think at night. And That's instead of awesome. overthinking and, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but I tend to overthink at night and just process what I did. So it's a distraction from all that. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, to kind of settle your mind a bit. Cool. And then, of course, um, house chores are have never been the same since we started listening to audiobooks. Yeah. Thank yeah. goodness. 
This is AMI Audiobook Review. I'm Ramia Amudin here with Nisreen Abdel-Majid. And we're talking all things audiobooks. We're starting right now by giving some credit where credit is due. We're going to shout out a notable book review for one of the books that we highlighted in the first segment of the show. And today we're talking about what the Guardian newspaper has to say about taste, My Life Through Food by Stanley Tucci. So it's entitled, With a Side Order of Charm and Anecdotes, the Actor and Gourmand Makes Our Reviewer Crave a Plate of His Zappala. If you want to know what that is, I guess a good Google search. Um, Stanley Tucci, light and moderately ironic, and this is from October 11, 2021. Tucci, as all the world knows by now, likes to eat and drink. The author of two cookbooks, he's the presenter of an Emmy award-winning series in which he travels around Italy, flirting madly with women who make calzone, and in lockdown became a sensation when his wife filmed him making a migroni. His memoir, however, takes his passion to a whole nother level. In one way, there's not much to it. Some fairly standard childhood memories, a half-funny anecdote about the time Meryl Streep orders an indoulette, a stinky sausage made from chitterlings in a French bistro. The tone of his book is light, and for an American actor, moderately ironic. His two marriages are touched on only lightly. His first wife, Catherine, died of cancer in 2009. His second, who we met at her sister's wedding at George Clooney's gorgeous house in Lake Como, is the literary agent Felicity Blunt. There isn't much gossip, but after a while, it ceases to matter that he's no Robert Evans, nor even a David Libin. The mind clings like a good sauce to other things. The fact that Tucci finds his wife's greediness sexy and endearing, and that she, in turn, felt no need to hide this part of herself on their early dates, chasing after a restaurant cheese trolley with her eyes as if it were the last train home, and she was about to miss it. Makes me happy. If we're serious about ending cultural sexism, a good place to start might be right here. The world needs more men like this, the kind of bloke and Hollywood star, to boot, who could not be more delighted when a woman asks for seconds, who cooks for a girl like he really means it. So, after reading this uh, notable review, and there's a lot more to this article from The Guardian, if you want to check it out, Nizreen, do you care the kind of deep dives, deep critiques when you're checking out an audiobook, or is it really like synopsis and let's check it out? It's just synopsis. I do look at the reviews sometimes, you know, how many stars, for example, on audiobooks.com that gets my attention. But it's more about the synopsis for me. That's what that's what gets me grabbing onto mm -hmm. the book. But yeah, don't really pay attention to the critiques. Okay, so your own impressions first. Uh, mm -hmm. Teresa, how about you? Your thoughts on notable reviews or do you at least find them entertaining to read? I really enjoyed the one you just read. I've actually almost finished that book. And uh, yeah, I'd have to say that they're pretty spot on. Now for my work, because I do collection development, I, I read a lot of reviews already and I come across a lot of books through my work. So they're kind of really like tied together. But I would also say um, a good review may just be a good review, but it 
it may be for a book that and a genre that I don't particularly enjoy. So I mm. think something like that also um, uh, uh, plays into whether I'll pick up a, a book or not. Right. And Karen, same question to you at the end of the roundtable. Notable reviews, they're entertaining to read, uh, definitely have character and artistic flair in themselves. But does it matter to you what the reviews are like before you go in? I have a love-hate relationship with them. I don't always want to know what I'm heading into. I don't want somebody else's thoughts in my head as I'm starting to read. But the flip side is a lot of them will sort of draw in other stories or information to help give context to what you are reading or a new way to kind of look at it. So I, I can't say I fall on either side of the equation. I think it sort of depends. Um, I also mm. like to check out things like Goodreads to see, you know, what the the non-literary snobbish world thinks mm -hmm. of the book. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, point. not every book is reviewed, right? And there's a lot that is missing there's really certain types of books that are reviewed and those books aren't necessarily for everybody so I'd say like you know if you really like Jodi Picoult for example who might not get a lot of um, you know reviews in big magazines or big newspapers doesn't mean that you know you wouldn't enjoy her books Absolutely. I go back to one of our first episodes, we talked about Mariah Carey's memoir. And honestly, I was never planning to read Mariah's memoir anyway. But the review I read on it was hilarious, um, super fun. And, and I thought, oh, you know what, I feel like I've read the book already, which is probably not the case. But you know what I mean? It's like the alternative to actually reading it. So we're hearing from uh, Teresa Power and Karen McKay. Uh, Karen is the communications manager at SELA and Teresa is the content and access librarian. You guys, we love checking in with you once a month here on the show because there's updates, there's awards, there's always something to talk about in the literary universe. Karen, let's start with some SELA news and updates. So we have something kind of cool coming up. So as you guys probably know, Louis Braille was born on January 4th. And last year we did this really neat series of uh, programs on that day. And we're doing something similar this year. We're working with some uh, partners, including Braille Literacy Canada, the Canadian Council for the Blind, uh, CNIB, and NELS. And we're putting on a series of four different events throughout the month of January. And there's something for everyone. We've got um, a program called uh, Braille Technology in the 21st Century and Beyond. We've got Braille Inclusion in Libraries. We've got one in French called Tools for Your Toolbox, Braille Resources for French Speakers of All Ages. And the last one we have is aimed at educators or those who are kind of interested in education. And it addresses how uh, educators can introduce Braille code into classrooms and also how they can use those strategies to engage students in, in broader conversations around things like accessibility and equity and inclusion. So if folks are interested in checking those out, they're free, everybody's welcome, and you can head over to the NELS website where the registration page is being hosted and find out more details about them. So that's something I want to bring to everybody's attention because it's a pretty cool way to start the new year, celebrating Braille oh, yeah. and all things literary. Absolutely. Yeah, and just really in our own mindsets, you know, January, February starts to feel like it's a bit of a lull after all the, the, the craziness and the fantasticness of the holidays. Uh, so this is a great way to kind of jet start afterwards. Yeah, we're spreading them out through the month. So last year, we did it all on the fourth, which was kind of crazy, because we came back to work on the fourth, I think. Um, so this mm -hmm. year, we're spreading it out throughout the whole month. So people have a chance to sort of catch their breath and take in lots of them. So we're hoping lots of people come out. Cool. 
Okay, so you wanted to move on to some feature titles. Um, are we ready to go there? Absolutely. So uh, one of the literary giants in the Canadian literary scene um, died this month, Lee Miracle, who was the daughter of a Métis mother and a Coast Salish father, uh, passed away on November 11th. And she was a true trailblazer. But um, I know that word kind of gets thrown around a lot. In this case, it was absolutely true. Uh, her autobiographical author, or novel rather, Bobby Lee, Indian Rebel, was one of the first Indigenous works ever published in Canada. And she had been rejected by publishers um, a number of times. She was told, and I quote, Indians don't know how to write. And so she actually gathered 3,500 3, signatures, people who were committed to buying her book on a petition to take them to the publishers. And 3,500 at the time was the sort of the threshold for a bestseller in Canada. And so she convinced them to publish the book. And then that gave her a platform to continue on and um, be a real advocate and a mentor for other Indigenous writers. She uh, founded the Inokan uh, Writers School, sorry, International School of Writing in Penticton, BC. Uh, and she taught lots of authors and connected with them through her advocacy work. And she really sort of helped pave the way and mentor a number of the writers that we know today, the Indigenous writers like Tanya Talagog, uh, Wabashig Rice, Nigan Sinclair, Jesse Wente, and even Katerina Vermette, who we're going to be talking about today because she just recently won the Atwood Gibson's Writers Trust Fiction Prize mm. 2021. So part of the reasons that authors, Indigenous authors, have the platforms and the recognitions they do today is because of all the work that Miracle did. And for that, I think we should be super grateful. That is incredible uh, information. And I'm glad that we're honoring, um, celebrating, recognizing, you know, all these different facets of how she played a role in what we know today. And, and like you said, some of the authors, the titles that we're aware of now um, came from the, the incredible work being done by people like Maribel. So thank you so much. Teresa, speaking of uh, these awards and winners, can we talk about the Writers Trust Fiction and Nonfiction Awards? Uh, Karen mentioned won the Atwood Gibson Writers Trust Fiction Prize for her book called uh, Strangers. And the winner was actually announced earlier this month. The Strangers follows four women, and they're all from the same family. And they actually appeared as mostly secondary characters in her previous novel, The Break, which I highly recommend. If, if you haven't read yet, please go, go and get it and read it. Um, the narrative is told in alternating chapters between each of these women, except for the very last chapter, which is a bit of an epilogue to the story as a whole. Themes of multi-generational trauma, racism, misogyny, colonialism, and abuse really form the crux of this remarkable story. And I also wanted to talk about um, Thompson Highway. He won the Hillary Weston Writers Trust Prize for nonfiction for his memoir called Permanent Astonishment. And Permanent Astonishment is um, chronicles his life from his very exciting uh, he was born two, two weeks early, actually, in a snowbank, in a blizzard, at the side of the road, um, which is just a, an incredible way to, to enter this world. And um, it really goes from that beginning 
to his many years at residential school. And he really credits residential school for teaching him English and giving him the skills that have made him successful today. Though he does acknowledge um, the abuse that also occurred there. And one of the wonderful things about permanent astonishment is Highway's ability to see joy and hardship and beauty and darkness. And you know, I think that's perhaps why this book is called Permanent Astonishment, is that you know, even in the worst scenarios and the hardest of times, you can see a bit of happiness and, and wonder and joy in life. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, these the two authors that you mentioned and the the books that you're highlighting, um, do you feel that it's to me it feels this way, but to to you, does it feel like it is very worthy because of the times and the kinds of things that we're trying to recognize and give uh light to and and put voice to in this year, these couple of years? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that they're poignant reads, not just because of, you know, the time that we're in and the recognition that we want to give to Indigenous people and to the horrors of residential school. But, you know, I also think that there are themes here that really can resonate to many people. Um, you know, struggles of of women, for example, of families. And, you know, in Thompson Highway's books, this idea of being able to find joy and hardship, I think is, you know, a beautiful thing, especially as we continue to go through a pandemic. And I, I know for myself, um, with the news and, and everything going on, um, trying to find those moments of happiness and joy in a time that seems, you know, very dark. A message I think that, you know, can resonate to to anybody. For sure. And I think that that's a really huge point for relatability because we're all trying to grab onto these pieces, right? Of course, there's the the things that we know we can't relate to, we know that our voice is not someone else's. Um, so we're giving space for all that and listening. But I think it's just a humane concept to want to relate. I think so too. And I think what's really great about particularly Highway's book is that um, it does touch on on joy in the midst of all of the other struggles. And so many um, stories that we hear, and rightly so, really sort of focus on the trauma and the pain and the impact and all of that sort of thing. And his definitely touches on that, but I think it provides a way that humanizes him and humanizes the stories that we do hear coming out of residential schools in a way that some of sometimes the, the darker books, they're, they're just so heavy and they're hard to, to digest and they're hard to reconcile. Whereas, you know, you get the sense of pure joy and you get the sense of family relationships from his book um, that, you know, it paints a whole picture and, and moves us from single issue to, I think, more compassionate level of understanding of one another and about, you know, and I think that helps us sort of integrate the horrors of the stories of residential school because the, the folks telling the stories are not just that story, right? They're, they're complex like we all are and we all want to be seen wholly. And so I think that that, that 
book in particular helps with that kind of conversation, helps with framing those conversations. Yeah, complex is absolutely true in uh, in any of these circumstances where we're kind of filling in the blanks as we go and taking a bit of everyone's stories and, and a book here and a book there and uh, talking about it, educating ourselves and continuing to say, hey, this is what this makes me feel like and where can I go from here? Amazing. Teresa and Karen, thank you so much for joining me again uh, on AMI Audiobook Review and looking forward to chatting with you in the new year. It's always a pleasure. Have a great month. Karen McKay and Teresa Power joining us from the Center for Equitable Library Access. SelaLibrary.ca is where you go uh, if you want to check out some of the titles that they talked about and, of course, a massive catalog of other titles. That's a wrap for this week on AMI Audiobook Review. Until next week, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.